This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to The Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Justin Bat with me. Justin, how you doing, man? Brett, I'm amazing. How are you? I am good. You're in one of my favorite cities, Nashville, Tennessee, just outside of it. We are. Music City. Music City. You, you ever go down to Broadway? But I, I don't think the locals go to Broadway too often, do they? <laughs> you know, only when we want to have a family or friends in town that have never been before, and we got to take them yeah. out. Now, there's you some wanna... cool spots down there. We still go. We just know the, the ins and outs. You don't have to wait in the lines. That's the key. Yeah, that's key. You want to get your $12 drink down there, right? You can just go down there and have, and have your $12 vodka drink. Um, well, man, yeah. So I got some cousins that live down in, uh, in Nashville, great city, but, um, you were the chief dad officer of your company and you're also a publisher by day. So, uh, we got a lot to talk about today, but I mean, if you can, Justin, just kind of tell us what's made you the man you are today and what's kind of taking you on this journey to be the chief dad officer. So I grew up in a small town in Northwest Ohio. It was home to the Etch-A-Sketch and Dum Dum Sucker, two things that pretty much everyone knows. And decided to travel south to Clemson University, became a tiger for school, and I never uh, left the south. Decided to stay down there and met my wife in school. We were married, and I went into pharmaceutical sales, and she was a teacher, and decided to leave teaching and start her company. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Figure it out, because I'll support you and you're talented. And she said, I want to do babies or bridal. And we landed on bridal. And I said, well, it's great. You got birth, you got death, and you get married in between. So I love the, <laughs> love the idea. Then she started a bridal store in Charlotte, North Carolina. We named it after our first daughter, Hayden Olivia. So it's Hayden Olivia Bridal. And I was at home with our brand newborn daughter from the time she was born all the way through as my wife was working on Saturdays. And then we added three more boys to the mix. So now four kids. My wife is still working in the store on Saturdays. I had risen in the corporate ladder, like most uh, corporate America dads, was traveling a lot and just stressed out and come home tired on a Friday after traveling all week and being in meetings and had eight or 10 hours to fill with my kids on Saturday and didn't know what to do to make that time intentional and engaged and, and fun for all of us. And it just hit me upside the head one of those Saturdays. And then God just dropped a lightning bolt on me and said, a blessing or a burden, an inconvenience or an assignment. It's your choice. What are you going to do with the time I've given you with your kids? And it wasn't just on Saturday, right? It was all the time I've been given with them. And so we began becoming intentional, planning those days together, doing some R&D, as I call it, which is rip off and deploy. I'd go on YouTube and do some research during the week and find a few things to do. We try and activate in our backyard. And um, I failed so many times, but we always had fun and slime battles, bubble wrap battles, pickup truck, hot tubs. Um, you name it, obstacle courses, we would just do it. And my kids started to look forward to those Saturdays, the hype I would get set up for it. And on Wednesday, one of my uh, kids said, dad, what are we doing for daddy Saturday? And I said, you just named it, son, we're claiming that. 
And so that's what we started calling it. And that's what it became. And it was just my four kids in our backyard trying to support my wife and be a good dad. And then about four and a half years ago, I was asked to give a TEDx. And that's when I learned about the epidemic in our country on fatherlessness and the lack of biological dads in the home. There's about 24 million kids, in fact, who don't have a biological dad wow. in their home. It's, it's, a, it's a significant epidemic. And there's millions more who have a dad who's there, but he's physically present, but emotionally absent. I was that dad for a period of time, right? In, in corporate America, traveling a lot and focused on my career. And so that was my wake up call. Decided to write the book, Daddy Saturday, as a practical field manual to help dads be intentional and engaged with their kids to raise good kids who become great adults. And I was given a vision when I wrote the book and it was dads and kids in a stadium interacting, having fun together. Didn't know what it was, just knew it was a clear vision. So I put it on the cover of the book with my kids. And uh, now four years later, um, I'm proud to say we have the Fatherhood Festival, which if you're looking at this screen, you can see the stadium behind me. So Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium is that stadium. And we're having our first ever event where we'll have thousands of dads and kids interacting with football drills, life skills, having epic fun at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Village, Canton, Ohio, this June. Wow, dude, that is awesome. Isn't that amazing when you start to put things on paper and you start to dream about them, how they can happen? So crucial. And, you know, so what's so neat about it is when you do it and it turns out to be so far from what you ever imagined it could have been. So how did you get to that point, right? You don't just fast forward four years and boom, I got a stadium and I'm going to fill it with thousands of people. I mean, you, you've had a lot of work, a lot of mess ups, probably a lot of successes along the way. And I think these are some of the best stories ever is, is just because I can't imagine when you first started doing this with your kids on a random Saturday at, at first, right? It was probably random. Like, yeah, let's do it to where in your mind you were thinking, hey, one day, kids, we're going to fill a stadium. Fair. Yeah, it's, it's totally fair. And I guess what I was initially thinking was, if I just take care of the people in front of me, my kids or the, the neighborhood kids that come over or the kid who doesn't have a dad, if I'm coaching a team and I serve those people or serve the dad that just needs some encouragement, right? He's going through something. Then I know that that's my job and it, the rest will take care of itself. And so I tried to be strategic and always just do that. And I served one at a time and just kept doing it over and over. Most importantly, my own family. And that was a big part of it. I think the other piece was I, I'm a visionary. I have an idea in a minute of what business I'm going to start or how I'm going to do it. And I had this vision of starting a, a fatherhood media brand, right? And reaching people through every channel possible in the space of fatherhood. So I wrote did the TEDx, I wrote the book. We created an Alexa skill, um, working on a mobile app. We have, um, you know, podcast. And uh, the next thing started to become, okay, what do we do in terms of live events? And after COVID happened, I recognized that when live events got shut down, um, there was going to be this big resurgence of people wanting to get back out, get active, get engaged because they had just been cooped up for two years. And the fun of live events um, really was, you know, the birth of COVID. And so we yeah. came up with all these things we could do in our home. I said, how do I translate that to a massive stadium environment, use football as a surround sound to draw people to it and, and make it a fun, compelling environment. So that was part of it. And the other piece is just that I've had a vision to reach 10 million dads in 10 years. And so you can do that digitally to an extent, but you know, the real impact comes when you're kneecap to kneecap, eyeball to eyeball, when you're sitting with your kids, you're activating um, men to get engaged with their families and showing them how to do it because I believe far more is caught than taught. And so that's what this event is really all about. Yeah. So talk to us and I'll, I'll be transparent here again with four kids and you know, mine are 16, 14, uh, 12 and eight. I have four boys. And like most of us, especially people listening to this show, you know, you're, you're, you're working, you go home, like my, like today, for example, I will go home from work and, you know, eat a quick little sandwich, 
and then it's off to baseball, right? And then it's me coaching baseball tonight until eight o'clock. We were doing it last night till 1030. Uh, and it's, so I'm in that mode, right? Right now of just busyness with the kids. And so how do you have this daddy Saturdays when you've also got all these sports going on? So what I love about intentional fatherhood or intentional parenting is that it's all about the margins. And so we're all busy. We have a ton of things going on. In fact, I've removed the word busy from my vocabulary, by the way, when people ask me, I say I'm productive because mm -hmm. you know, busy means you can be doing a lot of things if you're busy, but it doesn't mean you're actually doing anything of meaning. So I'm productive and by productive, it's because I'm intentional. And what that means is you probably drive the car to the ball practice. You probably drive the car back. So use that car time as intentional time, right? What does that conversation look like? How do you use that time to create a moment or to open up communication lines? And, you know, what can be just a car ride or you're listening to music or they're on their phone or whatever in the back, if they're older, then it's dead time where you can use that as intentional time. So there are so many margins in our day. Yeah. We do something called um, it's the hill walk and um, it's the driveway devotional. We have about a quarter mile down and back. The hill is very steep at the top. It's on our farm, the driveway. So we walk down to the mailbox every day before school and back. And on Wednesdays, we do heavy day hump day. And I have a hundred pound sandbag on my back and my kids carry sandbags. And some people think it's like child abuse, but I'm actually making <laughs> things at the beginning of every day because they need to overcome something at the beginning of their day and do something hard, knowing that life's hard. And they're going to come up against yeah. things in their day, in their life that they have to overcome. And if they've already done it and they're consistently doing it, then when they come up against those things, it's called resiliency, right? It's building yep. character. And we talk. Sure, it takes eight or 10 minutes. And my kids, I've watched them move further faster from those eight or 10 minute small investments in our hill walks to be any of a day than probably anything else I've ever done outside of Daddy Saturdays. And so, you know, what is it for your kids? Just find, find those moments, those margins where you can be intentional and create an atmosphere of fun and, and positivity and open communication and make memories because that's what your kids will remember. And I think it's consistency as well. Just yeah. be consistent in it. It doesn't have to be expensive, extravagant, or extraordinary to be epic or intentional. It just has to be intentional. So use the 15 minutes, use the five minutes that you have with your kids on a weeknight, if that's all you've got, to make it intentional. And then that's why the weekends are so important because typically we do have more time and we can focus yeah. on our kids if we choose to do so. Yeah. And how old are your kids? Daughter's 14 and then the three boys are 12, 10 and eight. So we're, we're real close. Oh, We're literally like right at the exact same time almost. Um, and so I, and I, I love the intentional uh, bedtime, right, right. Type stuff. And so, and as they get older, right. My 16 year old, you know, is we're not doing bedtime you know, with, with my boys like we did back when they were little, but, but how are, are you finding anything in that special moment of the day when it's kind of, everything's done and now we're all kind of getting ready to go to bed. So, it's, you know, with a daughter and then the three boys, it's a bit different. And yeah. the boys have the frat wing in our house. So all three of their bedrooms <laughs> are like right there together. It smells and you just go down there and you have to deal with the boys. And then my daughter's got her own room. And so I typically go in and say goodnight to both uh, with her. It, oftentimes it's a quick goodnight. Love you. And, and then I'm off. Sometimes yeah. I'll get the read and there's something more there. Right. And I'll come sit in her bed and we can talk. And oftentimes those are some of our best conversations and opening yep. that dialogue. Um, and that's, I, I let her kind of tell me what she wants from me. And we've done a good job of uh, keeping that communication open. And I'll give you a tip on how we did that too. With the boys, they still want stories. And I give them the same three characters every single night. 
And then uh, before I leave, I say this to them. I said, is there anything you need to forgive anybody for? Is there anything anybody needs to forgive you for? Anything you want to tell me? Anything you want to tell God? Anything you want to tell each other? And we repeat that every single night. And it's the coolest thing because all three of their bedrooms are right there together. And like, they almost say the same thing every night. No, no. Um, I love you. I love God. And then they'll be like, love you boys. Night boys. Night guys, whatever. <laughs> or they'll say something yeah. you know, stupid to each other. Right. And so it's just a little routine, but like they they talk about that. Like they remember those moments. So, you know, whatever it is for you, it's just making that again, consistency and being intentional in how yeah. you do it. Yeah. It's amazing. My, uh, my eight-year-old, so our fourth boy, we meditate. I mean, not every night, but you know, we're, we're two to three times a week. We're meditating cool. together. And it's awesome because he loves that moment, right? If he knows we come in there, he's like, daddy, can we meditate? And it's just, we turn the app on. He loves to see the, the one we do it is on the Peloton app. And, uh, he loves to see how many people are doing meditation with us. You know, I think he's set our records like 582 people at one time. And but, awesome. but the point is, is like he gets that right. And then he knows how to hit end and see where we're at. And it counts how many number of times you've done it. And I, my point to that is, is I, I do agree, man. It's just something about that nighttime ritual um, to have that process. It's 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 priceless, man. I mean, I, I, he'll remember that. And I hope he takes that with him. Right. I should have done it more with the older boys but it's just be kind of become our thing. Now the other they'll, they'll meditate as well, but it's more our thing. And I think it's just getting your thing right with your kids and doing it and then doing it consistently. Well, Brett, you bring up a great point though. And that is you can't treat all your kids the same. And you know, each of them are different. Yeah. I think that's where that, especially for those that are listening that have multiple kids, you get above two and in the boy and girl scenario, right. It becomes way more difficult just because of the sheer amount of time. And so I try to do 15 minutes to 30 minutes a week with each of my kids, just one-on-one doing what it is that they really love and enjoy. And my daughter gets a little bit more special attention. We do daddy daughter date nights like once a month. We still do those. She's 14 and we started doing when she was three. And like those have been game changers for us. We do boys night outs with the boys. It's not quite the same, but you know, those are important things because again, it's just, you're investing in that attentional time. And I think the other thing is that's super critical. I believe that you're not meant to be your kid's hero. You're meant to be their guide borrowing a page from Donald Miller and story brand. And that is, if you're your kid's hero, you already are and you always will be. And, but if you try to play that role, then you actually harm your kids because you don't allow them to experience success and failure on their own. And that failure piece is really important. And instead you got to guide them through that. But when you do that, you lower your pride and ego and you let other guides into your kids' lives. And so like, I am like the least handy guy in the world. I'm no chip gains by any means. Um, When my kids ask me to build something or like work on a car, forget about it. But I can teach them how to throw a football, a curveball. I mean, you know, anything related to sports, I can do. I'm great at it. Hunting, fishing, not so much. I'm limited yeah. there. But I, my kids have had incredible experiences because I brought other men or other young men into my kids' lives and allowed them to show my kids or guide my kids through those things. And guess who ends up being the hero as a result of that, right? Yeah. Me. But I also can w- zoom out and watch my kids in those moments because I'm not in it. I can be on it. And I learned so much about my kids watching them with another male figure interacting and some of the personality traits that I've caught or little things about them. I'm like, I never noticed that before, but I see it because I zoomed out of it. Yeah. What have you learned over the years, business or, you know, as a dad through all this stuff that you wish you knew more of then that, you know, now what, what, what is that thing? I think the fact that, that for me, I, I tried to spend so much time um, with my kids and, 
And that caused me oftentimes to just use like the amount of time as an excuse for like, Hey, I'm involved with them. And, and that's a lot of what I was doing on those early Saturdays, right? I'm like, Hey, I'm spending eight or 10 hours with my kids on Saturdays. Like that gives me a reprieve during the week where I can, I'm right. investing so much time with them instead of being intentional with it. And so that intentionality piece is really critical. I wish I would have been more intentional early on. The other piece of that is, and this combines business and family is I wish I would have taken earlier on some of the principles from the business world and brought them into my family. We do it all now, mm-hmm. mission, vision, values, goal setting, right? We do all those things. We make dream boards every year. And it's some of the most fun things we do as a family together. And it, as a family, we move forward, right? We take the vacations we want to achieve together, but we got to save as a family to make those things happen. So when you ask your kids to sacrifice something or say, you know, hey, no, we're not going to buy that, that toy today or that, that thing today. Well, why? Well, it's because we're, remember, we're saving up for this family trip. Like, make it easy on yourself, yeah. right? It's so much easier to say no when it's going towards something that's a great yes. So, so that's a big piece of what we do. And I wish I would have done that earlier. And we've seen dramatic results. And my wife and I have been doing it for decades, but my kids with us hasn't been the last probably five, seven years. And we could have started that a bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Those are key. And it's amazing how much time we spend doing it in our work life. Um, but yeah, it's, it, we don't do it as much in our personal life. So I, I like here, you wrote, uh, I've got this thing I call my F to the fifth power and it's faith, family, fitness, fun, and our firm, right? For work. Um, you, you wrote down faith, family, fitness, and finances and, and me owning a wealth management firm. I think it's key. So you talk about that. Hey, we're not going to buy that toy because we're going to be saving for that vacation. I mean, there's a lot of learnings in that one decision, right? I mean, saving money, talking about your finances, that's a big deal to talk to our kids about. It is. I think it's essential. And it's also essential to talk to this to kids outside of our own family, because there's so many kids who don't have that kind of influence in their life and they're not going to get it anywhere else. They're going to get it in school. That's for sure. So what I try to do with my own family and with other kids that that we're around is um, we play the rich dad, poor dad um, game. We love cash flow. We have cash flow for kids. So a great way to teach them about through a game, the principle of passive versus asset active income, right? And what's an asset and what's a liability and working through a financial statement. Like that's a really cool, great way to do it. Um, there's also entrepreneurship opportunities. We use Donald Miller's business made simple courses and I teach that to our kids and it's phenomenal, right? They create a mission statement. All of my kids, even my eight-year-old, they're all starting businesses. My daughter's way more advanced than the boys are, but that entrepreneurship piece is so critical. They gain those character sets around entrepreneurship, but then you can back end into the finances. Cause if I go to my kids and say, Hey, I want to teach you about budgeting. They're like, I'd rather yeah. Draw my nails on a chalkboard, right? Yeah. But if I say, hey, let me help you start a business and they start to make some money and you support them. And now it's like, hey, we need to talk about what you're going to do with your money. Yeah. And now they've set a goal to have their car and they've got 401k dad where you save for it, I'll match whatever you save. That's what you use to buy your car. Well, now they're running their business to buy their car, right? And and we're having that conversation. And we talk about um, cryptocurrency. Yeah. Talk about, so like we'll go and I'll say, all right, we can go to Chick-fil-A today. And if you guys want to go to Chick-fil-A, that's fine. I'm not going to eat Chick-fil-A. I'm going to eat at home and I'm going to take my $10 and invest in, in Bitcoin or Ethereum with it. And you guys want to do that. You can do it too. And so like, we'll make those decisions as a family. And it's all about (laughs) gratification. It's about investing. So there's, there's character principles to it as well. And just having those conversations and using life as a teaching tool, there's so many opportunities to do that. And I, I feel like the biggest two are, or what one I just mentioned, delayed gratification. 
so hard in our society today. I mean, you don't see anybody save like they used to, and it's all about spending whatever you make and they want it now. And so teaching our kids to be able to have delayed gratification in a financial perspective is, is critical. And I think the other one is just that, um, also investing in what you believe in and helping them evaluate companies and evaluate businesses. And we do that all the time. Like we'll talk about it. Like, well, you guys love Chick-fil-A. What do you love about Chick-fil-A? Right. You can't invest in Chick-fil-A, but like they, we talk right. about the characteristics of it or companies that we can invest in. And we do some fantasy trading as well. There's a couple of great companies out there that do that. And it's fun as a dad to sit down with your kids, help them build a stock portfolio yep. and let them take risks with no risk right. and learn. That's awesome. Well, tell me about this farm, man. You got 13 Highland cows, two miniature ponies, and you run our modern working farm and Airbnb and you host events at True South Farm, the one you got there just outside Nashville, Tennessee. So tell us about that. So we traded the beach for the farm almost two years ago and made that decision because one, I wanted to raise our kids on land and just give them a a different environment and experience in their youth. I believe there's so many things you can learn on a farm that they, you know, no offense. We love Charleston. Going to the beach was amazing, but yeah. it's like we lived where people vacation and that's a very different lifestyle versus look, you treat your mom like crap, go shovel the crap out in the cow <laughs> stalls. So there's a lot of discipline and things that they can learn through that. But at the same time, we wanted passive income on our primary residence. And so we were able to then convert a, a horse barn on our property into an Airbnb. It is rented out all the time. And we have passive income through that. We raise Highland cows. So we raise them to sell them for hobby farms or for breeding. And that's another passive income stream. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't even believe how much a Highland cow goes for these days. Uh, It's unbelievable. And then we also have the entire property that we rent out and we do conferences, we do weddings, um, a lot of like mastermind events, people rent the whole property out, kick us out and we're glad to do it. And we just, so you guys will really leave your home for the weekend and go wherever. And we do. Uh, we do. And then being in Nashville, we've had a couple of music videos shot there. We have a lot of creatives and artists rent the property, either songwrite or to do video productions. And uh, yesterday, the last two days, Tractor Supply was at our house shooting an entire uh, catalog for their upcoming issue, issues. And our family got to be the models for it, which is pretty cool. That's cool. So, I mean, we're using the farm as a way to, to bring income into our family. And it's, it's, on our primary residence, which I also think is really, really critical. And so what do I do when I'm there? I, I come down there, I rent your space for the, how many acres is it? So it's about 17 acres total. Okay. So 17 okay. acres and I have basically free reign of all the 17 acres and probably some toys to play with. You do. We've got a, the property was really cool. It was built in the late sixties and the gentleman who built it, I guess he built most of the interstates in and around Nash in around Tennessee Okay. So a lot of it has um, these stone pathways and they had a, a tennis court, which was old and decrepit. We converted it into a modern sports court so you can play pickleball, basketball, awesome. tennis, whatever you want out there. It's under the lights. There's a swimming pool um, that was you know built back in the 70s. It's, it's an amazing swimming pool. It's got the old diving board, 13 feet deep. And so the kids just love that. And then we've got like the trampoline and you've got access to the animals and you know the property. And so uh, what most people find interesting is they come with families and so they have, they have kids and then they end up playing with our kids. And so like, we did not expect to be sitting out back, like hanging out together as a couple while our kids are being entertained by your kids on the property. So that's Unreal. an added bonus. And we've met some amazing people as a result of it too. 
That's awesome, man. Uh, we'll talk more about that offline. So um, when you see this future greater than your past, we talked a little bit this uh, before. That, that's the mission statement of Visionary Wealth Advisors, helping you achieve a future greater than your past. It doesn't mean you had a bad past. I think we all want a future that's better, right? And so when you hear that, what comes to mind for you? I love that because there's an algorithm that I use when I make decisions. I got this from Andy Stanley uh, at North Point Church. Andy talks about the fact that when you make wise decisions, you analyze it like this based on my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. And I loved that, right? So a lot mm. of decisions that I make in my life, big and small, I just not naturally do that. And I say, what's in my past that's impacting my present that you know I either want to take with me or don't want to take with me yeah. to get to my future? And there's actually a science called epigenetics, and, and we dive into this a lot in, in some of the courses that I have around fatherhood and parenting, in that you need to study your past and understand what from your past is impacting your present and what do you need to eliminate or dive into and uh, unlock inside of you in order to achieve what you have for yourself in the future. And most people aren't willing to go back and look at that because their past is either it's they've got a father wound or it was rough or they have some something they need to unearth right when they go back there. And it's, it's a painful process, but I don't believe you can achieve what you're meant to achieve in the future if you haven't done that. And the one thing that's helped me and I'd leave your listeners with is I look at the back of your microphone. And I love your, your logo. It's so cool. Is I would say that if you can write your obituary mm. and sit down and actually do that exercise, especially from a, you know, if you're in, in wealth management or a financial advisor, like what a cool thing to give your clients is help them write their obituary and then sit down with them and talk through that. If they're a couple, they both write it, right? And if they have older kids, they can write it as well. Our kids did it, but we had them do it as, as high school graduation, not as yeah. uh, when they die. <laughs> they're dying, yeah. It's hard to make an eight-year-old talk about when you're 95. <laughs> and, and so that's a big exercise, but that will unlock a lot of what you want for your future, right? And you see it in a really big context at the end. And most people don't ever go that far out. And then you then take it and you say, what's my one-word purpose statement? So the purpose of my life is to... And what's that one word? And mine is to connect. I'm, I'm an ultimate connector. It's what I was born to do, designed to do. And that's my red thread. So no matter, no matter what I'm doing, I'm connecting, right? And if I'm doing that, I'm in my sweet spot. And that's what's moving me towards my future. And so, you know, I know that in my past, when I wasn't connecting, when I didn't understand that, when I didn't have that vision or direction of where I wanted to go, ultimately towards the end, then I wasn't on, on the path to achieve the future that I had set for me. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think it's crazy to think, you know, I'm, I'm 44. I don't know how old you are, but it's, um, I, I wish I knew right at 25, what I know now and, and can be connected to that, to that mission. And, and so it's like, you have all these different missions as you're going through life. And, but I think what I'm hearing from you, and I, and I think I do a decent enough job of this. I could always do better. I think getting our kids connected to their purpose early on, then they don't have to wait until they're 30 or 35 or 45 to, to find out what their purpose is. So important. Right. And I think that's where going back, right. Those moments where you zoom out and you start to literally look at the personality of your kids, yeah. like what, what makes them tick? What makes them unique? Um, you know, a lot of times it's the hardest part of parenting is parenting the you out of your kids. Yeah. So they probably have a little bit of you in them. I've got too many me's in our family and one's exactly like me, our youngest. And so, you know, we can get into it because of that. But at the same time, like I, I also know what, what they're going through and I know what my mistakes were. And I see that like, they're both challengers, they're extreme challenge, they challenge everything. Yeah. I, that's how I am. 
And so I know like what that means. Sometimes it's irritating because I'm like, you don't challenge the challenger. Come on. <laughs> but at the same time, I know that they have potential to change the world, right? Because they're the ones that will push the envelope. They will break down barriers. They will fight for what's, what's right. Yeah. What they view is wrong. And so like, those are the things that they'll challenge the way that things have always been done and do it a new way, break through barriers, right? So like, that's positive, but if they challenge the wrong things, then it's a negative. So how do you channel that, right? And, and help them understand what's their purpose and how they use those things. And I would also say that, that part of this is with your kids, especially it's helping them at an early age, not know like, like what they want to do. It's who they want to be. And that's the good kids to great adults concept, right? It's like, I don't want great kids. People are like, you have great kids. Like, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I really want good kids. Because the point is to have great adults, right? You want yeah. them to make mistakes. You want them to fail when they're kids. Failure at eight is way different than 20 or 38 when you haven't experienced that kind of failure before. And it's typically non, non-consequential when they're eight years old and they're making mistakes or when they're young. It's funny. My wife should maybe one of the, uh, the best quotes of uh, during COVID, we were all at home. You know, you're home together a lot, right? And she goes, you know, the best thing about this is watching you raise yourself. And so my, uh, my second son is a lot like me. Yep. And so it was just, you know, you had to be there in the moment. We had some neighbors and friends were over. And she's like, it's just so fun watching Brett raise himself because <laughs> we, we were getting into a little bit at that time. Me and my, yep. me and my little boy, Drew. Um, yep. Let's talk about fears for a second, man. Um, fears. How many of the fears you've ever put in your mind have ever blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? Yeah, zero. Yeah. Absolutely zero. Um, fear is a big thing we talk about in our family a lot. and. I talk about this concept of, you know, the, the lizard brain versus the logic brain. And I'll give you the great example. So we do Spartan races as a family. And um, I love doing Spartan races. My kids got into them. The boys are really into them. And my youngest son, Easton, they have this big kind of uh, like V-shaped wall. You had to climb up wooden wall. So he climbs up to the top of it. It's probably like five feet tall. But to a, the time, a five-year-old, it looked, you know, huge, massive, yeah. 50 feet tall. So he gets to the top of it and he's scared and he won't go over. And I'm standing there beside him and I'm like, come on, buddy, you got this. You can do it. And he starts like getting upset and starts crying a little bit. Well, in that moment, right, fear had taken over and it was fight or flight. It'd gone from his logic brain back to his lizard brain. And so the concept in that moment is how do we now transition it back? And so I said, all right, Easton, let's talk about this. If you fall, what's going to happen? And he's like, oh, no. I'm like, I'll catch you. I'm right here beside you. Like, I will not let you fall down. And he's like, okay. And I said, what's the first thing we need to do? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, just put one foot over, one foot over the other side. He does it. Get that foot over, the next foot over. We just walk him through it. And slowly we transition back from the lizard brain to the logic brain. He realizes he's okay. He's not going to get hurt. He can make it through it. So he does. He gets down. He finishes the race. Coolest part was like a year later, he's doing that same obstacle. He gets to the top. There's a little girl who's stuck up there just like Uh. he was. And her mom didn't know what to do. And he, he coaches her through it and helps her get over the same obstacle. And I was like, oh, that is a chills, man, right there, man. Right. So, but that's that process of overcoming that fear. And, and we do this with our kids a lot. I put them in situations where they have to overcome um, a fear or an anxiety and, and just get them used to that. Because the more and more you do it, the more and more you realize what you just said to begin with, which is they hardly ever come true. Yeah. And they're never as big as what you initially think it is. And you got to be able to overcome fear in life or you'll never achieve 
again, your future. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're right, man. And it's uh, so I've, I was in a, in a bad uh, airplane ride and it has been eight years since I've been on an airplane. And here I am talking about these things, right? And these fears and the logic in Lizard, I've never heard it that way because logically I know, you know, I'm going to, when we're done recording, I'm going to drive to lunch and, and there's a better likelihood logically, right? Mathematically, statistically proven, there's a better likelihood that I get in a wreck there than I would getting on an airplane and flying to wherever today. Right. So, but it's hard, man. It's really, really hard to go from that logic to lizard and lizard back to logic because I had to book it. We're going, we're going to Tahoe in June, going some friends, but I've already got that, that anxiety around it. Right. But I keep telling myself, I keep coaching Brett's coaching Brett to go from logic to lizard, lizard to logic. So how did you help people or how do you help me or other people like that? through something. Well, I think one of the motivations for you needs to be, you need to be transparent with your kids about this and let them watch you go through it. Right. Oh, they have, and they're all over me about it, man. They're like, dad, we got to start flying again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I know that, but I'm saying, let, let them see you deal with this. Right. And walk through the process and realize that, that you're, you're human and that, you know, you're, you have a fear and how you, how you overcome it. And I think that part of it is what you just said. Right. And that is going through the process and saying, I, you, you coach yourself through in small steps. Statistics show I have a greater likelihood of dying from a bee sting or, or a shark bite than I do in an airplane crash. Right. And, yeah. and, and so like that removes that reality. Like I'm not going to die. And then, then it becomes, okay. Like if I don't go, then what's going to be the consequence for our family? And if I don't start flying again, then, you know, what's that going to mean? So then it becomes your, it's actually motivational interviewing where you start to say, um, my motivation isn't this it's it's for what am I motivated? And then you say, I'm really motivated for my having a moment or memory with my family and we can't drive to Lake Tahoe. So we're never going to go to Lake Tahoe unless we fly yeah. out there. And so I'm going to miss out on making that moment of memory. And then that'll help you kind of just that, that power overcomes the fear that you have in place. But I also think it, it becomes the small things every day. Like you've got to put yourself in those moments where you overcome that. Yep. You know, for me, I take cold showers every day. And it's miserable. I hate it every yeah. time. I've done it forever. And the cold shower is almost worse than like a cold tub because it hits like one part of your body. And it's like everywhere instead of just like all at once being in the cold. And it's that first shock of just getting into it. You got to yeah. force yourself to do it. Do the Mel Robbins rule, right? Five seconds. Yep. You got to go. And so I do it every morning. But like those little things, then I say, hey, I overcame that. And I know I can overcome this. So it's those moments where you've done those hard things in the past. And for you, flying is a hard thing, understandably so. But if you've conquered all those other hard things, then it becomes easy. Yeah. Done it. I feel like I'm going down the right path then. So that's good. I'm I'm even kind of got this like uh, hashtag Tahoe on Instagram. I'm seeing all these amazing pictures. So in my mind, that's what I'm going to is that, right? This amazing, to your point, moment. And then in my mind, on the way back, you know, I'm, we're coming back for the 4th of July weekend in our neighborhood. It's, it's the greatest weekend of the year. And so it's like, I I've read different people as build excitement around the two trips, right? The two things. So then you're, you're not flying for fear. You're flying for excitement. That's right. So we'll see how it works, man. I'll re- I'll report back. Uh, <laughs> June, so, uh, well, man, where do our listeners find more of Justin Bat? Easiest places are on LinkedIn at Justin Bat. You can find me there. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And then at Daddy Saturday and all their social platforms. And if you want to attend or come to or participate in the Fatherhood Festival, we're also going to simulcast portions of it. It's fatherhoodfestival.com. 
Awesome, man. Well, we'll definitely put all that in the show notes and uh, really thankful for your time today, Justin. I know you're a busy guy and uh, you got some amazing stuff going on. So we greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate you having me on. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 